0: Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise. Join Will Tondo and Jake Zimmer every week as we dive into interviews with leaders in the craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment world. This podcast wouldn't be here without Spotify. Get to know Spotify for Podcasters, the free all-in-one podcast platform for every creator. This tool allows you to publish shows to all major platforms and helps turn your passions into careers. To find out more, head over to podcasters.spotify.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the code BBB for all wager incentives. That's code BBB, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hope is here. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org if you have any issues. Play it smart from the start with GameSense. Now, here's our episode of Beers, Business, and Balls.
1: Welcome to Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. You can use the code HOUSE at checkout and you can get 20% off your order. And free shipping anywhere you want around the world. It's the code House manscaped.com. And by the DraftKings Sportsbook, the code BBB gets you some bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook today and use our code BBB and you get some bonus bets. This is episode 142. I think this is the first comedian we've had on the show. If you don't count Eric Dunn, I'm trying to think, is he the closest to a comedian that we've had? This is definitely the first official comedian,
2: and actually a big-name comedian. Yeah, no disrespect a... to Eric Dunn, but Eric Dunn, I think we had him on more as a sports social media sensation. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a influencer
1: guy, so... Eric Dunn. That's what he yeah. is.
2: But stand-up comedian, America's Got Talent comedian, Rhode Island native Tom Cotter. What an episode, what an interview.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of the people I put in my Mount Rushmore of just sheer funniest people we've had. It's probably him. Eric is definitely on there as well. I would actually put, ironically speaking, Frank the Tank in that boat. Um, he was just very funny. Our conversation was funny and it wasn't intentional from him. Uh, those are the three that come to mind. Um, John Fanta Drunk
2: was pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Um, seven Beer John Fanto was pretty funny. That's right. That was a good one.
2: Other funny, funny ones. That I, really I would say Wanton
1: Don was pretty funny that I, I, I left laughing at that one. Um we always sure a chuckle at Jess Kleinschmidt. It's been a while for her.
2: Mm-hmm. We had some good uh, laughs in Coach in the Car, but that was just more laughing at ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that, uh, that that sounds about right with our with our funny guys.
1: Yeah, I think Dan Copen and Tip too. They were they were pretty funny. They were good. They were but good. Nothing just on Tom mentioned. Cotter.
2: Yeah, nothing on Tom Cotter. He was an electric factor. I mean, his his videos speak for themselves. Baby, it's cold outside and WAP collab. Um, his stuff on America's Got Talent, just his like crowd work as a whole was excellent. So, what an interview we have in store.
1: Um. Yeah, you get to see a live reaction of me figuring out that he's the guy that did WAP versus uh, Baby It's Cold Outside. That was funny. Like, that was one of the top moments of the pod of the year for me, realizing, like, oh, shit, you were the guy on TikTok that went viral with that. I don't know Mm -hmm. how I didn't catch that. What a dude. Uh, What a a Um, Let's rate a couple of beers. Uh, Would you like to do the honors? Or should I go?
2: Yeah, I'll go. I mean, this is actually the first time I am behind on my untapped. uh,
1: Wow. Yeah, you're usually on top of that shit.
2: I have two full beer festivals worth of beer, plus like two weeks of going to different places that I have not put in an untapped, which is not good for me. So let us see who gets the nod. I will go to... Hmm. This is actually an interesting one because we talked about this type of beer with a future guest. Uh, No spoilers ahead, but it's obviously beer-related. And At the Brew at the Zoo Beer Festival, I had a beer called Matu... Masurika. It's from... uh, Japa Cervagera. It's a Pilsner. It's a Czech Pilsner, but it's made with Asian teas and rice. Um, Soft and delicate beer that brings floral notes to the aroma and palate on untapped. Uh, They're actually based in Brazil, but they're taking an Asian style and an Eastern European style and somehow is in Providence, Rhode Island. (laughs) Lot of how the places. hell did it get there? What they they were a table at the brew at the zoo in uh,
1: Roger Williams Park. Right, but like, how did how was it them? Did they have like a rep that? Yeah, they was, had a rep was,
2: here? rep and table. Wow. Couldn't really chat with them because like that place was packed to the brim, um, but they were describing the beer as fast as possible, and I, I thought it was pretty solid and had a great can art. Um, the flavor was pretty floral and light um 3.75 out of 5 for me
1: that's there's a lot going on with this review here so it's a japanese style beer that's brewed in brazil um oh wow with tea um jasmine petals there wow did you like was this a floral experience for you
2: i would say so i would say so so definitely something different especially where you know that i would say that beer festival was very ipa forward um so that one i would say stands out in the early ones that i've checked in
1: interesting um better would you rather have that or a japanese rice lager
2: probably that this had a little bit more flavor i've also had haven't had enough japanese rice lagers yet to uh you know, put a jury on them, but I would probably say this.
1: Interesting. Um, it was a more flavorful week yeah. here. Yeah, like I, I think I still need to come around on Japanese rice lagers like they're good. I think they're light, but I, I can't get like the rice taste out of my head. And I think like uh, you know, you should be prepared to drink to taste that when you drink one, but it just doesn't register yet for me. So that that's interesting. I'm looking forward to trying that one at some point. Uh, intriguing. Um, I am going to, I have uh, so many years to review on this show. Um, I am going to swing it back out West, uh, to send you back in time. I'm still on my tour of the US. i S I'm in San Diego, uh, went to a Padres and Orioles game. That was a pretty cool experience. It was the second time in the second ballpark that I saw the Orioles at this year um hope they win the world series but that's for another day um i a couple of weeks ago rated a beer from uh right from Camden Yards which was duckpin and i'm going to do another sort of custom baseball beer and this is from Ballast Point everybody knows Ballast Point um they were serving this at Petco Park this was very good it was called swingin' fryer ale very cool can um Sort of that yellow and brown Padres logo uh, on the front. Uh, It's a Friar swinging a baseball bat. And this is another very good, crushable baseball beer. I actually think this might have been a little bit better than Duckpin. This was very good. Um, Let's see. All Simcoe aromas of citrus peach <clears throat> mellowberry, pine and grapefruit uh i didn't taste any of that i'll be honest uh, because we had had a, a couple glasses of wine before the game um but this was a very good beer you can drink a little bit beforehand you can drink a little bit during the game this is a perfect beer for a baseball game um i would say top three beers nationwide inside baseball stadiums no particular order blue point toasted lager Duckpin, and Swingin' and Fryer Ale. So that gets a four out of five for me. I really liked this one. I don't know if you can get it outside the Petco Park, uh, but if you can, I would sprint to Ballast Point because that is a, a an excellent beer. So hats off to the folks there.
2: I wonder if every baseball team has their own custom beer. I feel like it's a no-brainer not to.
1: I mean, the Sox don't.
2: Would you call – well, it's not necessarily Red Sox custom, but 617 by Lord Hobo.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. They have, like, Boston-themed beers. Like, I think you just synonymize it with Sam Adams and with Lord Hobo's 617, which, ironically enough, I've only drank at Red Sox games. But
2: – I don't think I've ever – I mean, it's probably at Lord Hobo's various breweries. But, yeah, I mean – well, now the question is, like you mentioned – with ballast point is it available at their location it's definitely not distribution but i'm trying to think pinstripe pilsner is that have i had that outside of the stadium
1: i feel like I've, i have it's either that or toasted lager which and actually i'm revising did i say toasted lager because i meant pinstripe pills yeah It looks like you can get this outside the stadium because I see pictures of cans. I see them in bottles. I see them um, in tall boys, actually, which are at the stadium. And then I see them in glasses at Ballast Point. So it looks like you can get them outside the confines of Petco Park. So hmm. I know you can get Duckpin outside of uh, outside of Camden Yards, But that's not like an Orioles custom beer. It doesn't have yeah. Orioles logos on it.
2: This is a blog from The Manual back in 2019, and it was nine beers brewed for baseball season. The Royals have a partnership with Boulevard Brewing, and it's a Mexican-style lager. That's a good one. The Astros and Carbich Brewing have Crawford Bach with the Houston H on it, which I believe actually – um, if I'm not mistaken, Clubfoot Jim reviewed that
1: way back when. Oh, away. yeah, he did when he was in Houston by himself for the Final Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yankees and Blue and
2: Pinstripe Pilsner nearby Blue Point. The Giants have uh, Los Cientes with Anchor Brewing. Tampa Bay Rays have Green Bench Brewing Collab, a two-seam Blondale. The Rockies and Sandlot Brewing have a collab, which is operated by Coors, which would make sense. Braves and Terrapin Brewing Company, they have a collab. And this one says, this one does say the Red Sox and Sam Adams have a, a collaboration with 617.
1: Which, wait, they have, wait, the Sox
2: and Sam Adams? Not Sam. Um, sorry, not uh, six one seven. Sorry, the Sam Adams, but Sam Adams had a collab with them.
1: Yeah, I a wonder. Double New
2: England, a double New England IPA. I've never seen this.
1: Yeah, it doesn't even ring a bell.
2: Let's see. Does it hyperlink out?
1: Sam Adams, like it's one of those that it's a no-brainer. It's Boston's most recognized beer brand. You would have thought they'd done something.
2: So they link it out, but they don't even link out what it's for. <laughs> Interesting.
1: That's so, how old this uh, article? I, four years. They probably did do something.
2: Maybe. But like, you End have to think a, a Sam sure.
1: Adams collab beer with the socks would do it extremely well. I don't know. <laughs> That's why I'm
2: surprised. Like Cisco got the Patriots one.
1: Yeah, that's another weird one, because uh, they do, what is it, uh, what the hell is it called? We reviewed it. We reviewed it in December, right? Is it past Pilsner? Is it that? I thought it was an IPA, but it might be. Forever New England Game Day IPA. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Yep, With the retro logo. I still think out of all the venues up here, like the pro sports venue, Gillette has the best beer selection. I mean
2: the treehouse is uh, a no. That's, like, that's for a loop. That's incredible. I actually treehouse recently posted. Um, people are at the game on Sunday posting pictures of the beer at Gillette, and Treehouse reposted it on Instagram, which I was very surprised. So clearly they're in the know. It's not a, it's not an underground operation like we thought.
1: Yeah, like it's not rogue, like some liquor guy being like, all right, we're gonna just put like two cases of Treehouse in a cooler and see if it goes. So they're they're aware. Um, I've actually also been told apparently they have done this at Fenway. Like they've put treehouse beers at Fenway in certain games, which again, I don't know why they're not advertising this because that it was it would first cause thought. so
2: much traffic. It would cause so much traffic.
1: It would I I guess, but it's like marketed it at the people at the games. You know, don't market it at the, you know, people like that, are you know, if the Red Sox suck, for example, you know, are you, you don't necessarily want to put more tickets in the seats, but well, maybe you do. I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. The way that the way that tree house is going about all this. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. So uh, a lot of good baseball beer this summer, uh, And maybe, you know, we'll be at Fenway actually uh, tomorrow from when we're recording this. So maybe we'll try to go hunt some of this mysterious craft beer down. Um, Let's go to business and then we'll get into our interview with Tom Cotter. Uh, Another Apple event coming our way. So the iPhone 15 has been launched or will be launched in the near future. Um, You want to give us the the quick synopsis of what went down uh, at this Apple event here?
2: Another another Apple event and more Apple products that we're all brainwashed to buy, and that are going to be overpriced. So the new iPhone fifteen is coming out, which actually, in terms of price point, I don't think it was actually stupid crazy. No, I'm I think it was only like numbers. fifty or
1: hundred bucks more than the previous one. The standard
2: iPhone fifteen will start at seven ninety nine, with the larger fifteen plus starting at eight ninety nine. The 15 Pro will start at a thousand. The Pro Max will start at one thousand one hundred ninety nine. I think I'm just very much. I forget about how much iPhones cost because when I get the new one, I just do the Apple credit card, pay like forty bucks a month.
1: The upgrade program, it's it's really good and interest free for like two years.
2: Yeah. So it, it's. I don't necessarily see that i don't know how people pay an iphone just straight up like that's crazy um but neither here nor there so they dropped the prices they dropped the release date on september 22nd pre-order the 15th so by almost by the time when you're listening to this episode um you have new ios features supposedly there's going to be some road roadside assistance that like if you're ever in trouble you can like triple click the phone And it'll give you options to connect for help. Um, Titanium cases, more zoom on the on the camera, all the yada yada yada. But the big thing, which is something that has been teased for years, is the iPhone 15 will have the USB-C port. Um, Mixed reviews on this. People are, you know, the people that are Apple stands are, are are just saying like. Now you can finally charge all of your products with one charger, you know, all of these newer products. I think it's kind of crazy, <laughs> like kind of a monopoly that now you have to buy new car chargers, new six feet cords that Apple doesn't provide. Um, you have to upgrade a lot of stuff. And the way Apple works, which is kind of annoying because I am, again, not an Apple stand, but like. I have a ton of Apple products. When I got the MacBook and they got rid of all of the ports and cables and SD card readers and then immediately put it back a year later, it really pissed me off. <laughs> I, if they're going if, if to do this again and I just have like dozens of cords that I had just replaced to then unreplace,
1: it's going to be, hands might be thrown. <laughs> so... You actually pointed this out. I forgot I wrote this blog until you said it, but on October 4th of last year, I I had put my thoughts on paper about the design change that Apple was going to make with the USB-C. Because the way this all happened is the EU forced this upon them, basically. They said, hey, listen, all these other manufacturers are going with USB-C, and you fuckers just have to do your own thing with the Lightning. So... I hear that with the monopoly piece, but I think Apple sort of was doing that already. And if anything, they're bending the knee now to the EU because the EU is going to them and saying tough shit. Like you have to play by our people's rules, like Samsung and all the Android phones and all that crap. So, so I, I think this is Apple sort of conceding. Um, yeah. This is them also making a lot more money while they're doing it too, because, because, I have, I'm looking around, I'm in my office right now, I have at least two lightning cords out, and I've got probably three more in my drawer right here, Um, and that's because they broke, it's because I lost one or two or whatever, Um, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm going to have to replace all these, I'm going to have to get USBCs, Right. so it's a royal pain in the ass, I'm right with you. I think this is actually going to help apple in the long run um uh you know it's more standardization like you know you can go ask a consumer to that's like i feel like what android users is a big problem they're like you fuckers have your own cable blah 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 right another point sort of taken down it's like all right well now you can use with any of your you know regular household appliances so it's going to be interesting
2: Yeah. And I think now it's the time uh, if pre-orders start in three days or the 15th, when you're listening to this, your phones that you have in your hand are starting to shit the bed. Wow. Your products will start going down the drain. And if anyone tells me otherwise, they're full of it.
1: This this is going to get taken down. Watch.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's (laughs) crazy. Like, it the, the the longevity of these products used to be incredible like my that macbook pro that i got in 2013 lasted until covid and that thing was worked to a dog you know like it was worked like crazy for 7 years and it lasted i just got a new macbook because the one that i had only lasted 3 years
1: yeah that's true can't the... be doing this every year I know. And you know what's interesting? Like another angle to this is because of this new EU rule. I mean, think about this. You, the iPhone comes out. I remember doing this as a kid with the iPod Touches. Like the new iPod Touch comes out, and that's your time that you convince your parents, oh, let's go get the old one, right? Because they slash the price, they cut it in half, they cave, they say, all right, it's only uh, 150 bucks. We'll go to the Apple store. We'll go get you the previous generation. That's it. Guess who can't sell a previous generation of iPhones in Europe right now? Apple. True. Because they can't put those phones on the market. That's the rule, right? You cannot sell anything direct to consumers that has that lightning cable. So I understand that that's Europe. Um that shit is coming here, man. That that is absolutely coming here. It's gonna be on, you know, two, three year delay, but I'm sure I'm sure that's gonna come. And that's that's my thought on the matter. Mhm. Oh, Apple. Oh, Monopoly. So I don't I don't see like it's just it's gonna reset. Like, if you want to buy a new phone, you got to do it now. Like, you you really have to do it now, or you're pretty much host for the next couple of years. Why would you say so. that? well it's because in that that whole thing in america right like if let's say this comes next year for example like the u.s rules are a you know monopoly protection um you know fair consumer choices that same thing happens in europe right like europeans should buy phones yesterday right they should buy whatever iphone they want on the market like right now because that shit's going to be gone you know in a couple weeks or however long that you know it has to However long it's going to get hung up in the court, so you know that same thing happens in the U.S. Um, Maybe, maybe that window is longer. Maybe you have like a year or two before those laws kick in. Who knows what that timeline is? That's that's my thought. But my phone's running good. I like it for now. For now, (laughs) Now it's running good. Um, I just don't like. I I don't. Need a new phone. I don't need to go, like, it's running fine. I don't need to go to the Apple Store and be like, Yeah, here's 700 bucks on the previous iPhone, give it to me, right? And like an iPhone 14 or whatever. And now, watch as soon as you say this in three weeks, the software is going to start glitching out. They're going to give you iOS 17, it's not going to fix it, blah blah blah.
2: Ugh. And you go and you still go to buy an iPhone. Yeah, we all do. We all do. I Listen, anyone who is an Android or a Google stan, give me an argument to why I should ever switch.
1: You won't get it from me. <laughs>
2: it's just like, I, I, no one has ever, for all these people that heavy push it and are like, green text message gang, give me a reason why I should switch
1: everything's just too connected. Like I want to be the guy that trades in this Apple watch for like, I I've wanted a whoop, right? Like I I've wanted to get, well, a they're different or something. They're different, but here's the thing. You have one, you've got two wrists. And if you have shit on two wrists, that's stupid. So, yeah, you
2: know, you definitely can do one or the other, but like the whoop is not a watch.
1: No, but that's my point is like, what do I really use this watch for? Like my personal use is just, tracking workouts checking the weather (laughs) that's really it i'll answer a phone call on it every now and then if i need to but like what the fuck do you need uh text every two minutes for no it literally is just a workout tracker yeah which is why like i'd rather i i honestly and i am that guy i'd rather have a whoop on my wrist but I am too plugged in to <clears throat> Apple's crap that I will never get rid of this Apple watch because I love it so much. Like I am brainwashed. Apple has totally brainwashed me into thinking this is what I need to function. I've got my watch tan. Look at this. I have an indent on my, on my wrist of where my watch is right there. Yeah, mine's not And that's just either. the way. <laughs> yeah. That's the way it's going to be. Is this like a mark that shows that we're team Apple? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're brainwashed. Yep. I'm a number one. No. This is a glorified workout tracker. That's what it no, is, but I will never get rid of it.
2: No free ads, but Apple's, like, the wallet.
1: Have you set up the savings account in there? Oh, my God. Like, Apple Cash? It's unbelievable.
2: Like, so they released this um, with the Apple Wallet that you have a 4.15% APY in a savings (laughs) account and all of your interest, all of your, your cash. So whenever you do cash back stuff goes directly into that. I'm up like, (laughs) it's like, I don't know, a hundred bucks in a month. (laughs) It's crazy.
1: Yeah. That stuff is good. I think the Apple cash, like, and once you set it up, it just gives you the cash that you got back on your Apple card. So like I started off with probably 500 bucks. I'm like, wow, this is unbelievable. This is actually insane.
2: It's it's, that is, if you remember the app Acorns way back when, they used to like round up your dollar and then just like put it in like a low, a low interest savings account. This is just better because if you use the Apple card, which I'm at the point where that is like my only credit card that I use.
1: Yeah, that you you set up on Apple Pay, you tap it, and that's it's so convenient. It's like the
2: convenience, the functionality, and then now this five percent, um, well, the five percent interest rate, but then you still get you know one percent on everything. You get certain percentage points on like, like cash back on different spendage, and then like when I was getting all my new Apple products, like got
1: like two hundred bucks straight from that, and then it just goes straight into the savings account. It's unbelievable. You get an interest-free loan. That's what you get yeah. from them. And they're they are not stupid. They knew what they were doing. They're like, because everybody goes, oh, well, just another phone. How are you going to differentiate? And Apple's like, fuck it. Let's make a bank. Let's make a credit card. Let's just make it so impossible to get rid of that. And it worked. I'm in. Because you get to do stuff like that where you get an interest-free loan on any Apple products you buy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> What a world. What a world. It's a no brainer. Like any, that's how Apple convinced, that's how they're so successful. They convince, convince people to buy a bunch of shit. They didn't need by giving them all these perks. And it's going to get even better for them.
2: No more Apple talk bees. Now they're getting free advertising. We just (laughs) stroked
1: off Apple. This is sponsored by Samsung. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're good. Um, all right, In a much lighter note, because we need to laugh after that dismal talk, let's talk to Tom Cotter. Uh, you've probably seen Tom on America's Got Talent. He is the he was the highest human finisher of his season, uh, losing to a, a dog act in the final. But that dog was good. Tom was better, though. We'll die on that hill. Uh, we talk about comedy. We talk about Tom's upbringings in Rhode Island and uh, the New York area and just the state of comedy overall right now. Really cool interview, something we have not done at all on this podcast yet. Talk to a comedian in that sort of depth. So let's get into our interview with Tom
3: Cotter. Do I have to be clean on this? No. (laughs) And I have to tell you, one of the first jokes I ever heard as a Rhode Islander, as a kid, that I thought was the funniest thing in the world, and I may have shared this with you already, uh, was... Um, did you know they're merging the towns of Cumberland and Woonsocket and they're going to call it come suck it. Come on. That's a great Rhode Island joke. Is it not? All right, everybody
2: with us this week, we're joined by Tom Cotter, a Rhode Island native America's Got Talent finalist and an award-winning comedian, funny guy, funny personality. And we're here to share some jokes, shoot some shit and, uh, learn about the background of Tom Cotter. So Tom, welcome to the podcast and uh, how's everything going?
3: It's going well. I've never actually shot shit. I don't know if I've ever done that, if I've ever used a firearm to hit feces, but I'm ready to do it today. Let's do it.
2: Everything happens on beers, business, and balls. So let's hit, let's hit it off with the hard-hitting question, um, a question you might not even have an answer, but who is Tom Cotter?
3: Oh, God. Well, there's two of us. Well, there's many of us, I'm sure, but the other guy who uh, is on social media is a car guy. He wrote a book called The Hemi in the Garage or something, And he's famous for that. Um, And my friend Adam Ferrara is a comic and had the other guy, the other Tom Cotter, on his podcast before me. So he's dead to me because why would you (laughs) choose a car guy over a comic? That's ridiculous. Um, Who am I? I'm uh, the son of uh, Dr. Walter Cornelius Cotter, who is a neurosurgeon and put the halo brace on Vinny Paz. That's what a lot of people uh, know him for. But he he had a glorious career as a neurosurgeon in Rhode Island. He raised six kids. I'm the youngest, the runt of the litter. And uh, we all are still very fond of our Rhode Island roots. My, three of my sisters live right around Providence. And uh, the three boys were the Brady Bunch, three boys, three girls. The three boys all got out of Dodge. I'm actually the closest. Um, although, I don't know, my brother Steve lives in New Hampshire and my brother Dave lives in Kansas. So we, uh, we got paroled, but my sisters are still around. So,
1: I mean, you, you we don't doubt that you've probably always been funny, uh, but that wasn't, you know, you went to school, right? You weren't just like out of high school and like, yes, I'm going full-fledged comedy, right? So you go to Denison, uh, you study poli-sci there. What was the plan if it wasn't comedy?
3: Law. I was going to be a, a lawyer. That was my dream when I was in like, maybe junior of, year of high school, I was hanging out with. I went to Moses Brown, and I was the poorest kid there. But uh, all those kids were sons of doctors, lawyers, you know, financial guys, etc. And uh, my lawyer friends, a, uh, had tons of money, but b, um, when they got in trouble, their dad got them out of trouble. And I, I as a kid, I'm like, wow, you got to get a jail free card, and you get to drive a Beamer. So what is wrong with that? So I always wanted to be a lawyer. My dad hated that at first because he's a doctor and lawyers sue doctors. Um, But so many of his friends were lawyers that he hopped on board that. And so I was poli sci, but it was pre-law. And then I was a clerk for a a judge. And then I uh, followed, I don't know if you remember, Raw Lovett, but he was a famous lawyer in Rhode Island and uh, famous for the Mickey Mouse stuff. And he, he was a friend of my dad's. Um, They're both in heaven now and both giants in my mind, but uh, Raul Lovett let me follow him around with carrying his his briefcase for a a semester, a winter semester. Um, So I definitely wanted to pursue law, and then I was a cop on Nantucket. That was my summer job, and everything was geared, tunnel vision, towards being a lawyer. And then when I was senior of college, I entered a a little talent show we had at Denison, um, and I – my talent allegedly was was comedy and I got up and I just eviscerated everybody the fraternities the faculty the everybody I was disqualified from the competition for using foul language but for the next two weeks walking around campus people who hated me were high-fiving me I mean everybody loved that I had taken everybody to task and so that just that was the first bite that infected me and then uh, uh, it's incurable I've been doing it ever since and it's been 35 years
1: now, yeah, was, that, was that, to, that yeah? Go ahead, Will.
2: I was gonna say, was that something that was just like off the rip? Like, oh, I see this this show that I'm gonna throw my name in the hat, or were you at night? You know, whether ripping jokes to your friends or just stuff in your mind that you're like, oh, maybe I could try this out.
3: Well, I am uh, famous for being number two. I uh, I ran for uh, DCGA, which is Denison College uh, Government Association. I ran for that and lost. I came in second to that and I came in second to a dog act on national television. So I just can't finish. But, um, having lost that when I, when I was running for office to be president of the student government, I was painting myself as a goody two shoes where in fact I wasn't. And right after I lost the election came this muscular dystrophy association talent show. And I said, well, they didn't elect me. So I'll show them the other side of Tom Cotter. And that's what I went up and, um, they almost shut the mic off. I mean, I was really being mean to everybody. Denison is such a clown show. It's it's the wealthiest college. We had pizza delivery and golf carts. It was sad. We uh, it was you know again I was the poorest kid there, and uh, my dad was a, a neurosurgeon. So I mean it was just ridiculous. So I made fun of everybody, and uh, that was the, yeah that was the first time that that had come about. And I then I started watching more comedy. And then it just built from there. I saw Buddy Hackett when I was 17 at the Cape Cod Melody Tent. That ha- that furthered my interest in comedy. And then we had comedians come to Denison when I was at Denison. I saw them and I thought, wow, I'd like to try that. And uh, that's it. Never looked back.
1: We're going to come back to all the cool stuff you've done, but we've got to dive into the Rhode Island roots too. So first of all, I mean, usually, you know, your Wikipedia and all this stuff, like you're in a nice suit. You've, you've got a crisp look, but – you know, you've also been wearing some URI and Providence merch as well. So, how do we get you on the Bryant Bulldogs, which is our alum, of course? How do we get you? <laughs> how Bryant. do we get you some merch? What do What do we need to do?
3: A quality school. Uh, when I was growing up, this is, I'm aging myself. I don't say dating myself because I do have <laughs> sex with myself, but I, I don't date myself. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I. Bryant College was right where I lived. Bryant College was right on the east side of Providence, and Brown was there, and Brown was taking up so much of the real estate. Bryant said, "Screw this." We're out of here. So they moved to Smithfield, but they sold all their buildings to Brown. And so I was very familiar with Bryant College. My, my brother-in-law had gone there. And then when they moved, what a great business school and a great lacrosse team too, by the way. Yeah, and I, I, Rhode Island's not a huge uh, state, as you know. So I try to, I, my pride in my little state is enormous. And I, so I wear PC stuff. I wear URI stuff because my twins go to URI right now. My twins are uh, juniors at University of Rhode Island. My sister went to Brown. My brother went to Brown. My dad went to Brown. My mom went to Pembroke, which became part of Brown. It's the sister school, and I went to Moses Brown. So we, you know, we all uh, were very loyal to our Rhode Island roots. All of my siblings and everybody. My brothers moved away, but they still, you know, they love Dell's lemonade. They love coffee syrup, autocrat. They love. They root for. We are all Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots fans because we always will be. And so, yeah, I'm I'm proud of my Rhode Island roots um, smallest in size, but number one in teen pregnancy. And I will follow that till I die. (laughs) There's definitely a, a
2: a lot we can be number one at I don't know if it's good or bad, but teen pregnancy, that's one you can throw on the list. Um, while you get to
3: your next question, I do want to compliment you. I love beers, business and balls. I mean, that's a quality (laughs) and I do a ton of these and that that's among the best, uh, Titles for a podcast I've seen.
2: Not too shabby. I mean, we're all about the alliteration and uh, craft beer, business news, and sports entertainment. You don't really fit either of the three, but... (laughs) Can't go wrong with anyone. (laughs) I can't go wrong with any of them. So tell us about like growing up in Providence. Was there, you know, favorite spots that you liked to go into? What was the comedy scene like? I guess, you know, while you were a kid there, if there was
3: any places or venues that you stopped by before entering into the scene? I, you know what? I There wasn't a huge comedy scene before I went to college, but when I got out of college, uh, Periwinkles had shown up. Um, Periwinkles was a little comedy club in the arcade originally. It moved twice after that. And I knew I wanted to try it. I had been writing and writing, and I just didn't have the balls. I really had – I didn't have the beer, business, or balls to go up on stage because <laughs> I had stage fright. I literally would think about it. Like before I did the Muscular Dystrophy Association telethon at, co- at college, So the week before that, acne, diarrhea, same thing when I did AGT, I was terrified. I'm too old to have acne, and uh, I should be able to control my bowels. So it was pretty sad that I was that afraid, but I really was. And then to his credit, the guy who I credit, uh, and you guys may know him, he's kind of a Rhode Island legend, Charlie Hall was hosting the open mic night at Periwinkles. And he saw me come week after week and sit in the back all by myself like a loser, and He uh, finally, after like the fourth week of this, he came up to me and said, what is your deal? I've seen you lurking in the back four weeks in a row. You've yet to put your name on the sign-up list to go up on stage on open mic night. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to try it. Uh, Clearly, no one's here for the talent. It's an open mic night. Uh, So why don't you grow a pair and get up on stage and do it? And I said, I will, Charlie. Thank you for recognizing that Uh, next week. And he said, no, this week. And he said, I'm going to ask the bouncer to ask you to walk out unless you uh, take the eighth spot tonight. And I said, all right, then I guess I'm doing it. And to his credit, that was the light lighted fire under my ass that I needed. And I went up on stage. I did 10 jokes. Eight of them crashed and burned horribly. But two of them worked. And those two got me through to the next week where I had 10 more jokes and two of those worked. And now I had four jokes. And that's how you build a repertoire or an act or set. And Charlie has always been a guy I go to for advice to this day. And that was that was almost 40 years ago. And he wrote the uh, – I have a book out. I don't know if it's around here. It's not. Uh, called Bad Dad. And he wrote – he did all the um, illustrations. He's a great cartoonist. He's a very, very talented artist. And so I wanted to include him in that. And I still seek his wisdom when I can. He's really – Uh, legendary in the comedy world. And that's where I started Periwinkles. And then the comedy connection came after that. That was the old Arboretum restaurant. I remember it when it was a bank that tells you how old I am. And then it was the Arboretum. And then it became the comedy connection. It's gone through a few owners. But uh, um, Corey is, you know, the guy who kind of runs it now. And he's really he knows what he's doing. He's been great for Rhode Island comedy. So uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of his as well and what he's done.
1: So when you like in your formative years as a comic had those two jokes that stuck or those, you know, that turned into four or six, eight, I mean, are those jokes that you still remember to this day that, you know, uh, Hey, that was the maybe set that changed things for me where I knew I could do this.
3: One of them. And I just can't do it anymore because it's way too creepy now. But I, when I was young, I could say it was one of my one liners was, I went to see my little niece's tap dance recital And I got thrown out because apparently you're not supposed to stuff the dollar bills in the leotards, and I got yeah. So obviously, look, you both cowered and disgust (laughs) right there. Imagine a whole audience of that. So that was one of my first. I was filthy when I started. I was filthy. I had a a, like a good five minute um, bit about having sex with a, a morbidly obese woman. And it was, uh, in my mind, funny. And at the time, I was right out of college. It was hysterical. Uh, But I can't do that stuff anymore, obviously. I'm too old, and it's way unwoke and way unpolitically correct (laughs) these days. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where where I was. And Charlie, again, coming back to Charlie, and Frank O'Donnell and some of the older statesmen in comedy and run at the time were nice to me. And they pulled me aside and said, look, you don't seem like you're a douche but your stuff is filthy and you're not going to be able to work places if you keep doing this filthy stuff. So they said you should clean it up. And I eventually took their advice.
2: And I guess like your style of comedy, um, over the years, I mean, you're known for your roast. You have great audience work. You do a lot of personal stories too, which kind of just like closes in a big repertoire, but like how long did it take you to find that niche and what comedy do you enjoy the most?
3: Well, you know, comedy's so subjective and it's weird. I've been in a bunch of competitions in comedy over the years and I always find them asinine because you, you're comparing literally apples and oranges. Who's to say that Stephen Wright, who is a genius one-liner guy, is any funnier or less funny than Robin Williams, who's an animated guy? You know, who's to say that uh, Mitch Hedberg is funnier or less funny than Jim Carrey? They're just completely different styles of comedy. And then you add in, you know, musical comedy or ventriloquism or a comedy team. There's so many different uh, kind of variations of stand-up that it's hard to narrow one down. The what stuff I write mostly is one-liners. It's kind of it's called misdirection. It's a, a setup, punchline, and a tagline, and then multiple taglines after that. So you tag a joke to death, and so. The setup may not be hysterical, probably isn't. The punchline may be funny, but the taglines are what really propel it. So it's, you know, and each tagline takes it in a different direction. It's a left turn or a curveball. And that's the stuff. It's fun, more fun for me to write that stuff because it's kind of a puzzle and you have to put it together. Um, But I also, I also do the other stuff. I have impressions and I do uh, long stories, as you say before, Um, but I'm more of a, I'm known to be a one-liner guy. My wife is also a comic. She's a story person. She tells stories that are funny throughout and have a big payoff at the end. So um, I, other comics that I enjoy, um, Don Gavin has got the guy I love the most. He's out of Boston. Uh, he's hysterically funny. Um, and then more famous people that you uh, might know, Mitch Hedberg, God rest his soul. Uh, Greg Geraldo, God rest his soul. A lot of these people are gone. Dangerfield, I grew up on watching Rodney Dangerfield. Um, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. Those are the guys that I worshipped when I was a kid. Um,
1: you bring up a good point with your wife, too, because your wife also, a, a, you know, a very successful comedian in her own right. You found uh, love in someone who's funnier than you, maybe some would say. Um, some is she, she the too. first? She say
3: that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was, there you go. She...
1: She might, she might say it. Yeah. But so is she the first to hear your joke sometimes? Or is she the, does she give you inspiration sometimes? Or how does that work when you've got two comics in the house?
3: We do bounce stuff off each other, frying pans and irons. and <laughs> no, She, uh, she, she tries stuff out on me and I trust to stuff out on her, not in the bedroom, but you know what I mean? And so like, she'll come to me with a premise and I'll try to punch it up or I'll come to her with a one liner and say, I need a tagline and she'll help me out there. And I also have friends that do that as well. Uh, I can't justify buying material. I just, uh, I, uh, you know, I, it's A, I'm not going to spend that money. And B, uh, then I don't, you know, it's kind of ugly. You're getting credit for someone else's uh, stuff. So, yeah, we, we bounce stuff off each other. Comics do and my wife and my kids. My kids are now 20. They'll be 21 in December. So they're old enough to have a sense of humor. And I'll try stuff out on them they accuse me of being horribly unfunny and all dad jokes, but uh, you know, I need, I need a sounding board before I go into a comedy venue and try it out on innocent victims.
2: The dad jokes still hit people, people cringe at them. The dad jokes still hit.
3: They still hit. What are you going to do? I'm a dad and I tell jokes. That's dad it. jokes.
2: <laughs> so now you're in New York. I mean, you're doing regular shows at comedy Cellar and Caroline's on Broadway. Um, we live in such a different age where it's used to be like New York was the hotspot, the place to be for entertainment and comedy. Do you still feel that's the place or is it more, you know, now that you can blow up so easily on TikTok, or there's now different pockets in California and Texas and all over that New York is still the place that you need to be, to be, you know, a rising comedian or just a, you know, get your foot on the ground type of place.
3: Used to be. Um, I would argue it still is. The two meccas are LA and New York. LA is better if you're an actor. And I tell everybody this. People call and ask me for advice because I've been around for a while. And people, whoever, all the comics who go on AGT reach out to me and uh, talk to me about that stuff. But I will always say that LA is great if someone rolls out the red carpet for you. You have to go to LA because I've lived there. I've tried it. And I have friends that have tried that as well. Uh, there's really only three games in L.A. in the in really in Hollywood. There's the Comedy Store, there's the Laugh Factory, and there's the Improv. And the owners of those venues were such big personalities themselves that their egos made it such that if you worked at the Comedy Store for Mitzi, you weren't allowed to work for Bud Friedman at the Improv. And if you worked for Bud Friedman at the Improv, you weren't allowed to work for Jamie Masada at uh, the the um, Laugh Factory. And so, you know, the comics out there are chess pieces. And they're pawns in this little chess game that's going on between the owners. Whereas in New York, we have 18 comedy clubs, last time I counted. And it's not uncommon for a club to call another club and say, send us a comic. We're down one, and we got an audience, and our guy didn't show up. And so they all seem to coexist wonderfully. New York is better to be a stand-up because it's more of a comedy town. L.A. is more of a Hollywood town, acting, singing, etc. cetera. Um, So I'm not besmirching LA, it's great. I I loved my time out there. My wife and and I both lived out there for a little while. It's great, it's just great comics in LA have to wait one week to get their one spot at a great club and it's not uncommon for Damon Wayans to show up that night and say, I wanna do two hours. And then you get bumped off the show and now you gotta wait another week to get stage time. That never happens in New York. Uh, You know, There's tons of stage time. And if you're not on stage in New York, it's because you're lazy, generally. Now you have a canoe uh, jersey behind you. Does that mean you're a Yankee fan? I am a Yankee fan. Originally oh. from New York, live in Rhode Island now. Excellent. Well, I'll talk slower, and then um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I live, wow. here. I, I live here. I'm I'm living in the belly of the beast. You're you're yeah. speaking to me from New York right now. I'm 30 miles from Midtown Manhattan, so um, I should be uh, converted, but I'm not.
1: Yeah, That's
2: it's all uh, it's all good. I mean, New York, it's. It's a little bit of a dumpster fire right now. And in the sports world, it's not much better, but we're, we're it's football season. I'm over baseball. Dude,
3: I'm a, good. I'm a Red Sox fan. We have, we're not throwing stones at anybody. We yeah. suck hard this year. Both of us. It's horrible that our payrolls are so gigantic and we, we laid an egg. The Mets even worse. The Mets oh. are what a dumpster fire that is. Anyway, sorry. I didn't vote. It's balls. I'm, I'm in the theme That's here. Balls. You're, yeah. you are, yeah. you're
1: on topic here, Tom. Don't I'm you trying, worry. Man. You're You're on topic. Um, so we're, we're talking about LA and New York. I mean, I, I think, I mean, in your eyes, what other hotspots are there that are coming up? You know, I feel like Nashville's mentioned a fair amount. I feel like Chicago's definitely always been around. I've, I did a little research like Denver is supposed to be an emerging market for comedy. What else do you see? Like what other places are comics flocking to now?
3: They, well, you know, it's the dynamic has changed so much. And I've been at this for so long that I've seen this. When I started, it was a tape. You send a tape. It was a VCR tape. And it was always, send me a tape, you know, send me a tape. That's how you audition for someone. And now everything's a click. And it's, uh, you know, now you have to be on social media. My wife and I, we have a social media goddess who we pay every month to put our stuff out there because she knows the algorithms and when to post and how to post and et cetera. And stuff that my wife and I were a little long in the tooth and we don't know these things. But Back to your cities, Denver is a great comedy town. The Comedy Works is an A room out there. There's two of them, one in downtown and one in the Burbs. I think there's an improv in Denver now. Um, great comedy town. But the Vegas is really, I would say, next to New York and L.A. A lot of comics moved to Vegas when the, uh, the real estate boom was kind of happening. And uh, a lot of people are leaving L.A. because of the cost of living and the crime and everything. Uh, you know, like the, Rogan and his whole... Slew of Roganettes, they all kind of moved to, um, to uh, they're in Texas, where are yeah. they are, uh, Austin, Austin, yeah, great yeah. city, great comedy town. Um, Atlanta has a great comedy town, Washington, D.C., could be our you know, there's uh, Orlando has a D.C., you know, there's great clubs because these chains, the improv, the laugh factory, the comedy works, there's so many that. You can be anywhere now and make a decent living doing comedy where that wasn't the case when I started. You really needed to be in New York or LA.
2: Do you like having the consistency at home or do you like the change in when you get to go on tours and stuff?
3: What do you, what change are you speaking of? Like
2: when you get to like go to different venues and you're on multiple different tour stops or you know, you're know you coming back to Rhode Island. So it's like maybe a fresher crowd or a different perspective. Do you like that or
3: do you are like you? That? I do. I like being out on the road. Uh, A lot of people don't. I like it. My kids are kind of grown now, so they don't miss me. Um, It sucked when I was a kid. When I was younger, uh, my twins were, you know, three and four years old and I was working on cruise ships two weeks out of a month. And that was horrible. I mean, you know, I was making my wife be a single parent and, you know, I was out in the Caribbean bitching that I was out there while she was freezing at home with two kids. Um, And when I would pack, I would always pack the night before and I would put my luggage by the front door so I could just go out and get in a cab and go to the airport. And my kids would see the bag and freak out uh, because they knew it meant I was gone for at least a week. Um, So I hated the road when I was younger, but now I like the road. And after two years of pandemic, when we weren't allowed to travel, I will never bitch about getting on a plane again. During the winter, I hate the cold. So during the winter, it's not a hard sell to get me to go to florida fort lauderdale miami fort myers i work all those places a lot during the winter orlando uh, that's easy and I, I like when you go out on the road you kind of meet everybody and you you, you visit red states I, I live in a blue state i'm from a blue state sometimes you meet the people in the red states and you just want to see how everybody else is and how they what their sensibilities are uh so i love the road i've always
2: wanted to ask about the cruise ship like uh process i mean because most of the time you're only doing like one or two shows for that week what is is the rest of the time just a vacation
3: it's you know it sounds like it and it's neat the first couple times but the rest of it i mean it's it's really a lonely existence you know you don't want to hang with the juggler or the magician generally because they're (laughs) psycho and if you have a great show, you want to hide in your cabin because everyone's like, come over here, take a picture here, let, eat lunch with us. And if you have a horrible show, you want to hide your head in the sand. So you're in your cabin so much that it's insane. So you 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 know, you know stream movies and you do all this other crap. Um, and you're right, most ships, it's maybe two shows a week. You have a welcome aboard show. And then uh, later in the week, they'll have you do a show. But there are ships now Um, I used to work Royal and Celebrity were my two biggest lines that have comedy clubs on the ship and the Allure and the Oasis on Royal Caribbean have you doing 18 shows a week. So it's a lot, Uh, but I don't mind it. I'm out there already. I can try out new material. I can. uh, It gives me something to do. So um, I haven't done those in 10 years, but. Uh, yeah. So uh, it used to be a really lonely, horrible existence when I was doing it, especially because I was homesick. I missed home, but they pay pretty well and I needed to pay my mortgage and my car loan and everything else. So it was a necessary evil.
1: Those are very important things, paying the bills um, yeah. off the the venue topic. What's the venue right now that you love the most? Right. Uh, a Venue that you've, you know maybe it's just home for you or maybe it's like the gold standard that you've performed at. And then, uh, to take that a step further, what's a venue that you haven't performed at that you would love to at some point?
3: Uh, well, I mean, Carnegie hall would be great. <laughs> uh, um, I did, uh, I love New Jersey performing arts center, which is a state of the art brand new place. That's where we did my season of America's got talent. It's huge brand new impeccably clean five balconies it's uh, it was just it was great the year after that I came back as a returning guest um, on AGT and we did Radio City Music Hall which is nice it's you know it's obviously it's a famous venue and it's wonderful but not nearly as great it's huge it's great for music not great for comedy it's just one giant room all the way back and spread so far back that by the time you're done with one joke, they're just hearing it in the back of the room and you're already in your next joke. And I'm a rapid fire one-liner guy. So I didn't, I don't love gigantic venues. Um, I like small theaters or comedy clubs, good comedy clubs. The Tempe Arizona improv has always been a really fun room for me. I don't know why. Um, hilarities in Cleveland. I have some random ones that I just really love. Uh, um, in the city, the comedy cellar is kind of the hot room right now. But I also love the, the comic strip and Westside Comedy Club and Stand Up New York. Um, you know, there's so many great. I love Dangerfields. We lost it during the pandemic. We only I thought we were going to lose a lot more comedy clubs uh, during the pandemic, but that's the one we lost. And I uh, that was my the first room to use me in New York. And then I I really like working coming home. So I really love. Uh, when I get to work Corey's room uh, out there in, uh, in East Providence. Um, uh, Periwinkle's is long gone. The Wang Center in New York, I've done that a few times. I mean, in uh, Boston, love that. Um, the Wilbur, I think it's called now, the Wilbur Theater. Uh, it was Wang when I was there. And uh, yeah, the Wang Center, I think, is now a, a gay bar. You don't want to go there. But um, the Wilbur, is great. Uh, yeah, Giggles up in Boston. There's so many rooms I love. It depends on, you know, the night, who you're on the show with, how great the audience is or how shitty the audience is. So a lot of factors go into that.
2: Are there comedians that you've worked with that you love working with or you hope to work with them one day again soon? And is there anybody new in the scene that you feel is like rock solid um, that you are excited to watch their career grow?
3: Uh, Yeah, there's so many young comedy gunslingers coming up that, you, you know, you know, know which one's really going to catch fire. Um, Mark Norman seems to have some heat under him right now. Um, And uh, let me think from, from new England guys, you might know. um, Let me see. Yeah. There's just so many. I don't want to say some of them because I'll, I'll hurt feelings if I don't mention the others, but yeah, Boston, You know, starting in Rhode Island, you had a choice. You could either drive one hour north to Boston or you could drive three hours south to New York. And so I chose, my wife and I moved to Boston from uh Providence because Periwinkles was the only game in town, and Boston had like eight comedy clubs at the time. And I'm so glad I did that. I ended up in New York, but that stopover, that six years I spent in Boston, because what a great comedy town Boston was. Uh you know, Leno, uh Dennis Leary. Stephen Wright, uh, you know, most more recently Mark Marin and uh, uh, Billy Burr, Mitt Dane Cook, it's un- unbelievable. And those are the most famous guys, uh, Rogan, um, all those guys. But the guys who aren't as famous, I think are as good if not better than a lot of those guys. So again, I mentioned Don Gavin before, but Kenny Rogerson, Lenny Clark, um, all those guys, those are the guys I grew up watching when I left Providence, uh, I got when I'm in Providence, I got to watch Charlie Hall and Ed Regine and, and, uh, and uh, Frank O'Donnell and those guys who are all awesome. Then I moved to New York and saw a whole slew of new headliners. And you learn so much from them all. And it's such a great comedy town that I'm so happy that I spent the time up there and got to co-mingle with such greatness up there.
2: And you brought it up at the top of the show, but, I mean, first comedian to reach the finals at um, America's Got Talent – the rough beat obviously was losing to a dog act but I mean hey to be the comedian to reach the finals is pretty is a pretty sweet gig going into the show was there any time that you know people are just like hey don't get your hopes up because like comedy hasn't necessarily progressed as far as it should have in the show or is it something that was just like you know you went in blind and luckily you know got to reach the finals
3: Well, my mindset, first of all, I was the top human finisher my season. I'd like to point that out. That's a good uh, accolade. Top human finisher. Many of my my competitors, the ones who won, are now deceased. So I think in the long run, uh, anyway, so uh, (laughs) that's my bitterness. Um, No, the the Elate Dogs are a great act. I'm I'm honored to have shared the stage with them, and they are phenomenal. And if they come to Rhode Island, everyone should go see them. Um, But – God, I even not nah, this is a brain fart. I don't even know where you went with that first question. Uh, was it? it was, so oh, yeah, have- oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. So going into that, the show had been on six seasons before I did the show. I never auditioned for the show. Why? Because Pierce Morgan was a judge, and Pierce Morgan would not only not put you through to the next round, he would eviscerate you on national television. And I watched this guy who was had a stick surgically implanted in his ass when he was a youth come on there as a judge. He's never told a joke in his life and he's crapping all over American comedy and American comics. And I said, there's no way I'm going to let that guy dress me down in front of 20 million viewers. So when I found out he was leaving and Howard Stern was taking his place, now you had a judge's panel you could deal with. You had Sharon Osborne, who was the wife of the Prince of Darkness. You had uh, Howie Mandel, obviously a comedy genius, and Stern, who's basically a comedian. So I thought that's a positive judge's panel. I'm not getting any younger. I should roll the dice and that should be the year to do it. Um, I never dreamed I'd get it out of the semifinal round because to your earlier point, comics had never gone past the quarterfinals, I think, on the show. Um, It's just it was built for singers originally. Now it's come around. The wife and I call it America's Got Problems because you have to have some kind of horrible affliction uh, for them to move on. If you watch all the finalists now, someone's blind. They're deaf. They were in a plane crash. You know, it's just they pull at your heartstrings. and You got to watch the show with a box of tissues because you're crying. So it's different. But uh, yeah, I was afraid. But again, I wasn't getting any younger and I had three small kids at home and we hated reality. When reality TV came on board, it killed the sitcom. And that was basically how comics got on TV was the sitcom. But reality was so much cheaper to produce that they kept throwing out the sitcoms and adding reality shows and we thought it was a fad it wasn't a fad and at some point you either uh, you know you kind of have to sleep with the enemy you're going to just eat crow and go okay well if i can't beat them i got to join them so that's if you want to be on primetime if you're not on a sitcom and there are a few of those now you have to do these reality shows and the amount of viewers you get on those are 10 times. we all do leno we all do letterman we all do conan you know we all do those multiple times if you're lucky, you're getting 5 million viewers. That's a good demographic for that, a good number. And of those five, you know, three of them are probably dozing because it's late at night, they're not watching. They might be naked, that's nice, but they're not really paying attention, not engaged. Uh, whereas AGT, 20 million was a common uh, demographic. That's, we, we, we hit that number frequently. Uh, $13 million for a rerun of AGT that season. So it's just a much bigger game, much many more eyeballs on you, and it uh, helps to repel your career, and I'm delighted that I did it. I will never look back and say I wish I hadn't.
1: Yeah, and then after that, too, I mean, you mentioned the, the Lenos of the world and Howard Stern and Comedy Central, all, all things that you were able to do after your – uh, you know, your first place human finish uh, in America's Got Talent that year. Um, you know, I, I think I also really enjoyed the the judge roast of, of Joan Rivers. Rest in peace. Um, but you got to do so much cool stuff afterwards. Uh, I mean, did you ever imagine that you could get any of there? Obviously, you're reflecting back and saying, wow, I'm, I'm entirely grateful. But did you imagine it would ever, uh, you know, lead you to that point where you're sort of the, the center of attention on these huge stages here?
3: you know you you, you kind of hope it uh but you you don't know what's gonna it's weird you know it's like a video now you don't know which video is going to go viral that you're posting I, I have a bunch of videos up now some of them i'm proud of some of them i'm not the ones i'm not proud of some of them are getting way more traction than the ones i'm proud of so it's you never know it's just it's a weird kind of thing you just got to keep swinging away and throwing a lot of stuff on against the wall and seeing what sticks um you mentioned the joan rivers thing Quick story there is, uh, first of all, that was her last national television appearance. Uh, she was on cable after that, but that was her last national network television, uh, I'm told. And she died shortly thereafter from a horrible malpractice thing that happened. But uh, she came in like a white knight. The original plan, they had never had a comic in the finals before. And they always do duets, they call them, where they have the singer sing with the singers that the, the contestant looked up to their whole life. And so they decided, well, why don't we have this comedian roast the judges and they hired lisa lampanelli to be my co-roasty and lisa lampanelli and i were already writing jokes ready to go three days out and then one of the nbc exec came in like a douche at the end and fired her because he didn't like something she had said on the apprentice so now it's uh two days before the final the finale and I'm gonna roast the judges alone. And so they got in touch with Joan Rivers, and she said, I have a tiny gap in my tour schedule, and I live in New York, and I will come by and help. And she could not have been more gracious, more wonderful. She demanded on meeting me right away, and her writers said, look, we're, we are not—we wanna make you look good. Joan already looks good. We're gonna help you look good. Uh, we won't, if you wrote a joke that's similar to one of ours, we'll get rid of it, don't worry about it. Um, and she could not have been more gracious. Before the show, during the show, after the show, you know, it was very sweet to me. And I am uh, I, I can die happy knowing that she uh, I'm even getting choked up just thinking about it because she's gone. and She was such a legend.
1: Well, to lighten the mood, what was the what was the best
3: joke that you gave her in that roast? I didn't give her any of my jokes. I did my jokes. She had her own. She has a team of writers and they all came yes. up with great jokes. They had to ab- abandon some of their jokes because they were a little too similar to things that I was doing. Yeah. Uh, especially about Nick Cannon. We both went after Nick Cannon hard. He was the host at <laughs> the time. And he was living with Mariah Carey on her couch or whatever. And so we both went after um, him, but uh, her writers had written like yeah. tons of stuff to take him to task. And Sharon took a beating too. She went after Sharon pretty hard uh, and I didn't. So we didn't cross, we didn't have too many conflicts. And again, just being able to share the stage with her was uh, uh, pinch me. and dreaming, you know?
2: That's awesome. Is there any bucket list items you have in your career now that you're trying to strive to or hoping that you get to accomplish?
3: Uh, You know, we just shot a special in June um, with a bunch of other people, and um, they're trying to sell them right now. We'll see who buys them. But uh, yeah, just getting another special up would be nice. I I love what I'm doing now. I love uh, I love telling jokes. I get paid to make people laugh. And I do it all over the world, not just the country. I've been, you know, all over China. and the, yeah. Um, I, anyway, I'll rattle. Off. You don't need my resume. But yeah, so it's its just I love what I do. And so I, I want to keep doing what I do. I hope I have the health and uh, the fortune, the good fortune to do that. If another pandemic comes, I will kill somebody because uh, we couldn't do it. We couldn't work. We were non-essential. Uh, my mother-in-law prefers the term useless, but either way, it's hurtful. And so I hated not being able to work during uh, the pandemic. I hope that never happens again.
2: Which is crazy because at the end of this, it's like comedy was probably the most essential aspect of the pandemic. It's like if people didn't laugh, they were going batshit crazy.
3: Yeah. And we were doing Zoom shows. And thank shows God open for- though, so that's fine.
1: Yeah, that show. What was open?
3: Liquor stores. The liquor stores were open so that's
1: uh, maybe half true
3: <laughs> yeah liquor stores and weed stores and that helped um yeah and i worked in texas and florida those people had no idea there was a pandemic so i was dead the only live shows i did were down there and then i did a bunch of zoom shows which sucked hard but you did them because you, you just needed to do something
2: yeah so as we you know close out the show i mean we're in 2023 you've mentioned it a couple times but we live in a very pc type of world um, a lot of comedy can't, you know. Well, I mean, it could still fly, but people are, you know, are going to be up in arms about it. How do you, as a comedian, like either adapt to the situation or block out the criticism that might come with jokes and still be able to, you know, achieve what you do each and every night?
3: That, this, is, uh, this is the number one issue, I think, facing comedy right now. I thought coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, we couldn't work for a year and a half, it was horrible. Uh, so comics were just, you know, were, we're chomping at the bit to get back at it. And then when we come back at it, we're faced with this new reality of, of people being offended by everything. And I mean everything. And I've had, you know, Seinfeld famously wrote an op-ed to the New York Times saying he doesn't want to work at colleges anymore. Because these kids show up with a chip on their shoulder waiting for you to utter that one syllable that's going to send them into a tizzy. And then they go online and eviscerate you on multiple platforms. And people who weren't even in the same zip code during the show are jumping in. And that knock wood has not happened to me yet, but it's happened to good friends of mine and who aren't even that controversial. They keep moving the goalposts. Before, if someone didn't like a joke, they would just say, "Okay, that's not my cup of tea. And I'll just sit here and wait for the next joke. Now they make a big thing out of it. You know, uh, Will Smith gets up and smacks the shit out of Chris Rock or, you know, someone uh, uh, tries to boycott that uh, club. They try to get people online to not let comics work. There's a Christian comic who uh, does jokes about pro-life and a bunch of uh, young activists uh, boycotted, you know, picketed outside the comedy club until they fired the kid. What happened to freedom of speech? I'm not a, you know, pro-life dude, but I mean, come on, everyone should be able to do whatever they want to do. Now you can't say homeless. Now you have to say unhoused or undomiciled. This is shit we all have to, I I have to, I used to come out and say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And now you have to say good evening, ladies who identify as gentlemen and gentlemen who identify as ladies and everybody else in between. And, you know, what are your pronouns? All this shit. It's, I, I, Personally, I can't stand it, and I've been pretty vocal about it. Uh, People know that I can't stand it. I've talked about it a million times on radio and and podcasts. I'm really disgruntled with um, society overall. My number one video that went, it's got, last time I looked, 17 million views, is the one where I compare the uh, lyrics of WAP, and I I don't want to say what that is, but, you know, (laughs) versus the, the canceled song of Baby, It's Cold Outside. And I'm just trying to show how ridiculous it is. And, you know, I can go to the supermarket tomorrow and I can't buy Aunt Jemima pancake mix or syrup. And I can't buy Uncle Ben's. But two aisles over, I can buy Spick and Span. How is that? Not, you know, where where is the line drawn? And why do you keep moving these goalposts so that the comics have to adjust? And comedy clubs are pretty cool about it. Uh, but when you do, it's all C's for us. It's uh, It's corporate, college, cruise ship, casino, comedy club. The two colleges and corporates pay the most, they have the deepest pockets. And those are the ones that want you to have 10 fucking, pardon my language, 10 conference calls with them before you do the gig. You're not gonna do anything sexist. You're not gonna do any trans jokes. You're not gonna do any jokes about little people. You're not gonna do jokes about you know women. You can't do jokes about children. You got, it's like you're, you're gonna narrow this to just an hour of self-deprecating humor Where I'm just going to shit on myself for an hour, and that's supposed to entertain everybody. That's where we are now, and I'm hoping the pendulum swings back at some point to uh, normalcy because it's killing us. It's it's uh, you know, not just us. Uh, It's killing late night TV shows. It's killing everybody. The writers have to worry about what is uttered by Colbert and Myers and all those guys now. It's it's a it's a horrible horrible affliction. On entertainment and they should just leave us alone comedy should be the last bastion of free speech and it's not right now and that's very disturbing
1: tom i gotta say it's been bothering me all episode where i knew you from and uh, because i had obviously done my research before this and will you know had mentioned we're, we're having you on it was the baby it's cold outside and WAP. that's where i know you from because i remember how got- absurd that video was yeah i the lift off my shoulder, having known that, I'm like, God, this guy, have I met this guy somewhere? No, it's because he was breaking down the lyrics of WAP versus maybe <laughs> It's Cold Outside.
3: Yeah, and I, you Thank know, you. There, there are places I can close with that, but I certainly can't close with that bit because just reading those lyrics is crazy. Uh, so I, it's just it's a difficult time for all comics right now. If you're squeaky clean, you shouldn't have an issue. But even if Seinfeld is getting hate mail, He's – there's no one cleaner. I mean, that guy is squeaky yeah. clean. He's pristine. If he's pissing you off, then how the hell are the rest of us supposed to function? But when anyway. I come to Woonsocken on the 22nd, uh, I will um, <laughs> I will be talking to adults, and hopefully they can accept what I'm talking about and not have a hissy fit.
2: Absolutely. Before we do the promos, one last question.
1: Um, Six inches. There we go. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But thank God we we got we cleared the air there. Let's hold your hat. Anyway, that's, go ahead.
2: Yeah, the minimum to be the on this show, yes. right? Um, I don't think people understand. You know, fans and consumers of com- comedians are pretty much. You know, we're all small minded. We just scroll on the phones. We like who we like. We go and see the shows, but there's such. You know, tying in our name, beers, business, and balls. There's a business behind the comedy act, respect. Um, turning your jokes into this band and business. How hard is it? You know, when you're trying to just be funny and, and worry about the comedy sides of things to now manage a business in yourself. And it's like, I got to promote, sell tickets, you know, write a book, do specials. How is it, you know, trying to do both of those things simultaneously?
3: It's, it's a chore. It's not something you you know, when you have a dream of being a comedian, you don't think about that. You don't think about, you know, you're now your own travel agent. You're your own business manager. You're, you're you have to do your own accounting. Uh, you have to do all that stuff, um, and it's it's kind of a it's a daunting task. But I've been at it for so long, and then you get a team around you. Uh, that's why you cut up your pie into little pieces because your manager uh, looks out over your agents. I have a cruise ship agent, I have a comedy, a, a college agent, and I have a personal appearance agent. And the manager controls them. And then you know uh, uh, we're incorporated now. The wife and I have a comedy. Uh, business. It's called Comedy on Demand. And after AGT, we started that uh, for tax purposes and everything else. So, yeah, that's all stuff you have to deal with. But you kind of have to deal with that, I think, in any field, anytime you're an entrepreneur, uh, anytime you do, you kind of have to promote yourself. And that's why we're doing the social media thing that I never saw coming. When I was started in 1988 or whatever, I never looked back and said, wow, you know, or or looked forward and said, one day there's going to be people streaming videos and I'm going to have to have a presence on all them. And I'm going to have to pay a woman uh, who knows all this stuff, who's significantly younger than me and has her finger on that pulse. And so, yeah, you have to, it's, uh, it's daunting, but I have two kids in college. You have to pay attention to the numbers. That's an important part of the business.
1: Well, this has been fantastic, Tom. Uh, You've got a lot coming up, a lot of exciting things. Um, So Where can our listeners either find you maybe on tour? Where can they find you on social media? How can they keep up with what you're doing and also any exciting things that you've got in the pipeline?
3: Well, I know you guys have uh, more than just a Rhode Island following. So I will tell you, let's start with Rhode Island. I'm at the Stadium Theater on the 22nd in Woonsocket, uh, where I believe the zip code is E-I-E-I-O. But I, I, I love Woonsocket. I can't wait to go and chat with the French Canadians up there and everybody else. Um, but, yeah, that's coming up uh, after that. Rehab. I think I should go to rehab. I No, I won't go to rehab. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of stuff coming up. It's crazy. October is insane. This weekend I'm in New York. I'm at the comic strip uh, both Friday and Saturday. And then I'm um, in Vegas next week. I'm at the Comedy Cellar in Vegas, which is at the Rio Casino, Hotel and Casino. And I'm there the 11th through the 18th. So if you're in Vegas, come by there. Um, and then, God, I don't even know if it – probably on my website or on social media. We promote uh, the dates coming up, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And then I'm easy to find on social media. I'm uh, at Tom Cotter comic. That's probably backwards. So I hope you can read it. And no, with, it's good. It's it's all good. Yeah, TikTok and Instagram and all that crap that we have to do. Uh, yeah. So pretty easy to find, uh, which is shocking because I'm in the witness protection program. So, um, but yeah, that's it. And I love chatting with you guys. This is fun. It's uh, nice to chat with people from Rhode Island, even if you're a Yankee fan. I still, yeah, it's all right. I'm not going to hold that against you. It's like half um, the
2: state's Yankee fans, though. So it's all right.
3: Yeah. It's true. Most of my, you know, I'm the idiot that wears the Red Sox jersey to Yankee Stadium. And by the second <laughs> inning, it's covered in saliva. Yeah. Uh, if someone murdered me, there'd be a thousand uh, suspects because
1: I, I will say. No, I, I wore a Yankee jersey to to Fenway, and uh, I was probably no more than 12 years old. And I uh, the, the the expletives that I learned that day were fun. Yeah,
3: very to educational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love one of those. I used to go to Fenway. I remember one night we were there, and there was one douchebag at the end of our row, wouldn't stand up for the national anthem when we were all oh. standing. So I get up to get a beer, and I just pushed his wheelchair over, and I, he started... <laughs> Tom Cotter joking
2: Oh my god God. Tom well we appreciate it thanks so much Go check out the show if you are in Rhode Island Uh, But at the time this airs It'll be uh, the week after So uh, check out all the social medias and stuff but Tom we appreciate the time Thanks so much and talk to you soon Thanks
3: Thanks for having me guys I appreciate it this was fun
2: And that was just Tom Cotter, America's Got Talent finalist, uh, comedian, Rhode Islander. That was some good laughs. That was, for the first time in a while, had some really funny belly laughs coming out from the podcast. Um, check out his show in Rhode Island, and of course, follow along all of his content. He's posting great stuff. he got a good social team just pushing along all of his funny jokes, so Keep up with Tom there, and as we head into balls, we have a message from our friends over at DraftKings. Week one didn't necessarily turn out great for most of our teams that we follow, pretty much all of our teams that we follow. Uh, It was a tough week all around, but the DraftKings Sportsbook will be back for week two and the entire season. Um, New customers who head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code BBB can get $5 on football games and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, which is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Nobody's missing out on the action. All DraftKings customers can also take advantage of two new offers every game for the month of September. Uh, Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use the code BBB. Sign up with customers can get $5 and take home $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the code BBB. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call one 877 hope ny or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. Uh, bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com slash football
1: so uh what's really not good we'll start with the the bad news and i would say the nfl's biggest headline this week aaron Rodgers done for the year torn achilles on the fourth play of the game that really fucking sucks for the jets i don't i don't really like aaron Rodgers. i definitely am rooting against the jets i was i you gotta feel so devastated for him and for the Jets fans too. That's a horrible beat, man. The way,
2: like, again, not. I mean, I have no problems with Aaron Rodgers. I think he was a little bit of a diva in Green Bay towards the end. But granted, like, the Packers really didn't necessarily give him help. This guy won you a Super Bowl over a decade ago. This guy should have been winning Super Bowls for at least three or four more times. He's a three-time MVP, I believe. Like, yeah. the guy's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. When he walked out with the American flag in that atmosphere, I was a Jet fan for a hot second. That was cool. That no, seriously, like that was cool. Was cool. Yeah. That was like that was Sammy Sosa running out there. That was George Washington throwing. I mean, George Washington, George Bush throwing out <laughs> the first pitch. Um, Aaron Rodgers like had an all time moment, and twenty minutes later. It was irrelevant. Yeah. And what was crazy is I don't understand how people, one, think like this. The amount of people who predicted him tearing his Achilles or like mentioning Achilles like before the game was very absurd. Like there's tweets going around who is like, this just feels like he's going to get hurt and like pop an Achilles like first quarter. And it was like at like 4 p.m. So it's insane. At the end of the day, the Jets won it for Aaron Rodgers. They head to overtime and return the punt for a touchdown, which was just the worst effort by the Bills punter trying to uh, tackle the returner. That was just comedy. The question is, who is going to, you know, proceed Aaron Rodgers right now? Right now, Robert Salah is saying it's – Zach Wilson. And if for Jets fans sake, I hope Zach Wilson took some notes this off season and he learned. Um, but if you're looking for, you know, it's kind of like fantasy football right now. And I know that's a stupid analogy. The waiver wire is thin with quarterbacks.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. It's bad. The, the, the
2: waiver wire is thin for quarterbacks. And I just want to pull out the names that people have been mentioning, and supposedly they have brought, uh, you know, expressed interest or reaching out to rookies for at least the backup role. Um, Where was this list? So there were some names which, you know, we will discuss. So Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan,
1: Yeah, well that's yeah, I, I think Wentz and Ryan have the two biggest steam right now, in my opinion. Like I think Ryan would actually not like be horrible there. Either that no, I, I think he actually would be okay. And same with Wentz, but you know what you're gonna get with those guys. Like they're old Wentz kind of stuff. Joe sucks, Flacco, but, he's
2: been yeah, in the Flacco system.
1: Yeah,
3: Flacco
2: too. Um If you're looking to trade for other backups, yeah, I mean Tyler Huntley, Mitchell Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Taylor Heineke, Gardner Minshew. Are you going the retired route? Like, I mean, Tom Brady's not coming there. It's funny. I going to
1: if today. that I'm gonna just put that out there. If that happens, I'm not watching football this year. I yeah. refuse. I, I that's I torture. Think,
2: now the question is: the Bucks. La- who has a more talented team? The 2022 Bucks or the 2023 Jets?
1: The Jets. Definitely. Tom Brady came back. No, for a stop it. I'm just stop saying. it.
2: Um, but stop. Then people are out there throwing like Andrew. They're like, I will give an absurd amount of money. to Andrew. <laughs> Andrew luck, <laughs> which again, not crazy, but he hasn't played in a minute. And speaking of a guy who hasn't played in a minute, I forgot who dropped the report, but people are saying Kaepernick and then Kaepernick was like, I put feelers out there. No offense. And again, you know, this is not a political this is not anything he has not played for 7 seasons yeah that's not good let it go bro let it let it go was
1: he 36
2: you if 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 the league was still a black blackballing you or you still you know you were a year or two out of san francisco your name would be on the on the ballot 110% you you were talented back then it's been 7 years I'd much rather have Joe Flacco as a backup who played last year in the Jet system than Colin Kaepernick. Um, would I have him over Andrew Luck? I, I don't know because at least I've seen videos of Colin Kaepernick working out. I, Andrew Luck is in the in in a cabin in the woods somewhere, but that's not your option. If it's me, I guess you have to ride with Zach Wilson and hope that it's a it's a system fit and then he could just be on cruise control
1: yeah and part of me thinks like all right the logical option is just add flacco is he doing nothing right now is he not signed anywhere i don't think so yeah because flacco was there with wilson so and flacco actually preceded wilson he was with darnold too so like yeah i think
2: i would love you know a trade person i think
1: would look great in the jets
2: and deserves a shot Again, if if Zach Wilson fails, it's Jameis Winston. I want to see Jameis Winston play. I want to see him play. The Saints Does, have. Where is he? Behind hidden. Car right now. He's behind Car, and then he was behind Andy Dalton last year, and he had to split time with Taysom Hill. Let that man free. That guy is the hardest worker. I am all in on the Jets going for Jameis Winston.
1: What about um what about Teddy Bridgewater? Another option. Where is he? He's just backing up golf. In
2: detail. Oh, yeah, because he was wearing number fifty during the preseason.
1: That's right. I, think uh, I don't like the vibes. It, no, that. no, he's wearing it 10 now. Yeah, I don't really like it either. Um Yeah, they could go, like, I don't know. Does Huntley I feel like Huntley makes some sense there? Because Huntley played well when Lamar was out last year and the year before. Like I think he's a guy that but again does the jet system rely on a scrambler? Not necessarily mm-hmm. because uh, Rogers is not that he's a pocket guy that they're just going to sit in between the tackles and let him throw it. So I don't know if Huntley really caters well to that. There was yeah, some I mean, talk. There's a, there's a piece on CBS that says they should trade for Kirk cousins, which depends on how Minnesota ends up this year, but who that's knows too
2: much money. There's that's too much money. Yeah. What are they paying Kirk? He is Kirk Cousins. He's getting contract the bag right. right now, right? He's getting the bag, and that's why like people are giving him shit that like he took guaranteed money and they couldn't get a deal done for, um, what's it called? Oh yeah, Lamar. No, uh, right? no, no, for Justin Jefferson.
3: Oh I'm yeah, yeah, about, like the
2: Vikings. Uh, but it's like, and again, especially after the Netflix documentary where they're like, this guy just, you know, lives such a frugal life. That he's he doesn't need this much money, but it's like, bro, the court like he's thirty five. Like he doesn't have that much life. Well, he has plenty of life with him. He doesn't have that much <laughs> NFL, NFL life left as a quarterback, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers was thirty nine, and we don't know if he's ever going to come back.
1: That's true. I didn't realize so, Cousins was thirty five. I thought he was like early thirties. So he's he's got uh, he's got a done up his contract,
2: a twenty million dollar cap hit this year, and his his annual uh his aav is
1: 35 yeah yeah that's that is a little too much money but who knows i mean if the vikings need to shed it to sign jefferson and they realize like all right you know hey maybe maybe we're gonna try to sell some pieces here so we can retain jeff then uh i don't know maybe there's a world that that does happen
2: is that again you have guys like nick Foles won a super bowl uh gardner Minshew could still be serviceable there's a name that i'm surprised not many people i have rarely seen this thrown out and it was such a big headline like i don't know three weeks ago philip rivers the 49ers made this headline and who knows if it's true or not that kyle shanahan said if the if San Francisco made it past the NFC championship game last year and Brock Purdy was still hurt and all the other quarterbacks were banged up, Phillip rivers would have been the first call he made. Oh my God. So again, I, I I couldn't imagine being in this situation because this is very bleak. You, You just have to trust Zach Wilson. And again, I made the fantasy analogy because it's like I'm in the same boat right now. Again, two very different worlds. Not, I'm not comparing it whatsoever, but <laughs> I was already thin on running back, and J.K. Um, uh, J- J. Dobbins from the Ravens just tore his Achilles as well, and I got nothing. There is nothing in the waiver wire. I am, I am shit out of luck.
1: It's slim. It's real slim with running backs right now.
2: Yeah, and I got freaking Jordan Laube sending me trade offers like like I'm a peasant over here. He's like, yeah, I know you're thin on running back, but you're gonna trade me Jameer uh, Jameer Gibbs, who's like my <laughs> literally my RB two. Well, actually, he's my RB one right now. For what was his trade offer? It was something I literally I haven't responded yet. Uh, Jameer Gibbs and. I picked up Jonathan Mingo on the waiver wires for Najee Harris and Sam
1: Laporta. Like, come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Come on, man.
2: After, and I wanted to, I have to call him out, and I hope he's listening to this episode before I answer my text messages. He literally, after we drafted, was like, yo, I think I'm going to hit up uh, Chris TheThinga and trade Najee Harris and Sam Laporta for, like, somebody. He already, he literally... Showed his hand five days prior.
1: Jesus Christ. Come on, Labe. Come on. That's public. That's, that's, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, he deserves public shame for that. Yeah. Um, what else in the NFL? Um, I don't know. Like that, that took over the headlines for me. I won't talk about Sunday night football. Respect. Um, Giants will be fine. Listen, figure it out. The Giants Giants will be fine. I saw a, graphic
2: today that made me a little bit more uh positive and it was a post that said see if i can pull it up um it was talking about teams that also got shut out on week one it was the year the one of the years the pats won the super bowl there it is So in 2003, the Patriots lost 31-0 in their home opener and finished 14-2, and they won the Super Bowl. The 91 Lions lost 45-0 in their opener and finished the year 12-4 and went to the conference championship game. I'm not saying that's the case, but I do feel... Was it embarrassing? 110%. Uh, I think the offensive line is weak, which sucks uh, because that's something that, you know, they really tried to improve. And I mean, Andrew Thomas is an all pro left tackle, but he was banged up. Evan Neal, you know, he needs to either move positions or it's going to be considered a bus. We got a rookie center. It's going to take some time, nerves, raining home atmosphere. It'll be fine. People laughing at Daniel Jones with this contract. I, you can't win. You can't win because it's like, okay, he had a bad game. But like, if you look at his stats compared to some of the other quarterbacks in the league, you know, I'll, I'll let's just play the numbers game. Let's just play the numbers game, okay? This was quarterback A this week in football. Eighty-two yards. Uh, well, uh, can I hold on one second? Let's just let's just play the little game right now. Quarterback one. Final stat line 15 for 28, 104 yards, 2 interceptions, 7 sacks. Oof. Oof. Quarterback B. 14 for 31, 82 yards, 7 sacks. Or sorry, 2 sacks. Quarterback C. 29 for 41. Two hundred and thirty six yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, six sacks. Oh shit. The first was Daniel Jones, the second was Joe Burrow, the third was Josh Allen. Yeah, Burrow had a shit game. Okay, so if you're saying two interceptions in the rain and getting sacked seven times and still throwing for over a hundred yards, and he's like worst quarterback ever. Cut him. What a joke of a franchise. And Joe Burrow threw for 80 yards and scored just a three points. And he's like, well, you know, it's a, it's a long season. And Josh Allen throws their three interceptions and loses the game in overtime. And it goes, you know, he'll still win the MVP. It's you, you just, yeah, you he's not it.
1: winning shit, Josh Allen. And he's the guy that I said, there were three guys. I'm going to bring this up. Mike Randall says this in the pod, 15 years, the past 15 years of data. The top three ADP quarterbacks have only finished top three one time. That third quarterback is Josh Allen this year. I'm just going to say it. He's not going to finish top three. It's going to be Mahomes, Hurts, and somebody else. And I, I – c- come on, Hanold, text me. Again, <laughs> Hanold thinks I'm a hater, but I don't think it's going to be Josh Allen this year. I really don't.
2: Yeah. so listen – embarrassing first game it was a tough first week the cowboys give them their flowers you know they capitalized on some sloppy errors and just ran the score away there was still some positives there i think darren waller and saquon barkley are two phenomenal talents i think the rookie cornerbacks held their own for their first game fix up some sloppiness get a win against the cardinals get right back on track add some offensive line depth and we'll be good
1: yeah yeah. Hey, credit to the Cowboys. They, they look real good. They, they always good. do. They have a lot of haters this year. <laughs> they have a lot of people that think they're going to go all the way and an equal amount of people that think they're going to choke like they always do. So we'll have to see what happens there. I don't know. Um, I think, uh, I mean, obviously lions chiefs was a big result that, uh, that, Really sucked for the Chiefs. I mean, that's uh, that's a real tough beat. Mahomes didn't look like himself without Kelsey. Uh, Yeah, there were injuries. Yeah, it's early. The Lions are a really good team. I think they're legit this year. Um, But yeah, weird to see the Chiefs come out and do that. That was odd. Mahomes just looked a little unsettled. And I think that was just something that we haven't really seen too much of.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, I, I hate anyone that says that it was an asterisk game because Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey were hurt, but those are two yeah. big names to not be present. Got to give credit to where the lions are. The chiefs, they're going to be totally fine. Um, it, you know, I, the way that Minnesota played though, I do like the lions, Wish I have them to win the NFC North. I do. I do like that trending upward. um, I still think the chiefs are the team to beat and they're going to, uh, <laughs> they're going to be good. I mean, Travis Kelsey's is going to be healthy. He's now supposed to be dating Taylor Swift. Yeah, Chris Jones is back on the team. They're going to be back. It's the first week.
1: Yeah. You can't write off the chiefs and I'll, I'll be clear. I, I think my only thing is like, yeah, people are calling it an asterisk game because they had all that wrong. Yeah, sure. What There's some merit to that. I'm concerned for the chiefs. If Kelsey doesn't come back for a bit though, because if he's out four or five weeks, that's one thing. If he's out 10 weeks, the chiefs might be fucked. Like that, that offense runs through him. That is not good. When Kadarius Tony is your guy that has to catch balls. I'm I'm on your side. Now I wasn't yeah. admittedly last week. He fucking sucks. He is very bad. And then he
2: had the audacity to go back on Twitter that, that was bullshit. Sig- <laughs> he deleted his account. He deleted his account when he dropped three balls in the Thursday night opener and then came back to go talk some shit to the Giants. Like, dude, you are literally going to be out of this league in two years and everybody's going to be laughing at you. Dude, he um, sucks.
1: He is bad. He is, uh, He cost them the game. They would have won by a touchdown. He is
2: awful. So I don't think you can write anybody off from week one, but I will say – three performances that really stuck out to me. And I'm looking forward to what they have to do the rest of the season. The 49ers defense is legit. And the 49ers offense under Brock Purdy is legit. I think the 49ers are that team of destiny in the NFC. Um, Again, the Steelers, is it a question mark team? Sure. They're still very talented on the defensive side. You know, they still can make some plays Anytime someone was tackling or a ball, uh, a Steelers player had the ball, there was, it was swarmed by the 49ers. So I really liked them. I thought the Dolphins, Tua, shut a lot of people out. Now, again, are the Chargers the best defense ever? No, but they have some names and they have some players. And again, it was a very close game. But Tua went, 28 for 45 for 466 yards and three touchdowns.
1: Yeah, he looked great. And Tyreek Hill <laughs> was just unbelievable. 215 <laughs> yards and two TDs. Parabolic. So that's a performance that
2: really stuck out to me. And I honestly think, now again, long season, lot to do. I like what the Jaguars are doing. I, yeah. I think the Jaguars have put together – a very nice little team. And people forgot that Calvin Ridley is a very good wide receiver. Calvin Ridley had 101 yards, a touchdown on eight receptions. Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and ETN combined for another hundred yards. Trevor Lawrence looked pretty damn good. They have a solid run game. They have a solid pass game. That's a team that could make a run.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's you uh, so that was one of mine, the Jaguars, um, Hey, Ballsy come from behind win, too. That is real Ballsy. Uh, fourth quarter, you're trailing. You put up 14. You shut the other team out. That's huge. So that impressed me. Um, I, I'm i fighting every bone in my body saying this, but the Cleveland Browns also looked really good. So that that performance impressed me this week. Uh, Watson wasn't that great, 16 for 29, but, I mean, Nick Chubb was really good. Um you know, that's, that's really it. Nick Chubb and the defense were the only things that were really clicking for them. But, I mean, that's that's enough for me. I think the Browns defense is is going to have a good year. They uh, they impressed me quite a bit. And then um, what was the third thing? Um, the Packers. I think the Packers put up some points. Why not? Jordan Love uh, threw three touchdowns. Fuck it. <laughs> Very backseat storyline of this week. The Packers put up 38. Why not? Bears are bad. Yeah, they are. are a bad team. Um, and now that I'm saying this, did I? I hope I didn't pick them to win. No, I, I'm picking the Bucks this week. Um, yeah, I, I really like. Uh, it's it's a shame that the Jaguars won in a way because I think Anthony Richardson is also going to be really good. He impressed me this week too. I think uh, you said this and it sticks with me. Colts needed a home run. I think they've got one. I. It's going to take some time for him. But I think he's long-term going to have a, a very bright future in this league.
2: I think so, too. I think so, too.
1: So that's uh, – any any just one bold prediction for this week? I got to look at, like,
2: there's so Part's much now I'm, in, now I'm in
1: overload. I'll, uh, I'll give you one while you're looking. Um, I think the Chiefs start the year 0-2. 0-2 and, the Jags, I think so. and the Jags beat them.
2: I I did pick the the Jaguars for that. Um, Love the money line at home. There's some good games. There are some good games.
1: Yeah, the the spreads are Um, pretty close. Like uh, a a lot of stuff is within two or three.
2: (sighs) Hmm.
1: There's a game that
2: Cardinals minus five and a
1: half. Oh, they got to take care of business
2: have to take care of business. No excuses. So if I had to choose a game that really stands out, <clears throat> Dolphins minus two and a half, I kind of love. Sorry. Hey,
1: you, you watch that. I, I'm sorry about that. Sunday night football in New England. It's just uh, – New England is going to win that one. It's coming so, from the guy uh, that picked Philadelphia last week, so I'm being truthful with my <laughs> expectations here. Yeah, I mean, again, the,
2: the Eagles came out very strong against the Patriots. If if we need a team that really needs a win and to, like, instill some confidence again and, and prove that they're supposed to be there, it's, it's the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I think the Vikings need to come out and avenge the game that they had last week and, and shock people in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, I agree. That that's your bull, but you think they're gonna do it? I don't know. I I think they'll
2: cover. (laughs) I think I think if if that's my if that's my upset of the week, I'll say that. A team that I think is a sure lock I want to say Giants against the Cardinals. I really, I really really hope so.
3: Josh Um, Jobs looks
2: like shit. Couple I mean, so if we're looking at different storylines, who starts 0 2, Chargers or Titans?
1: Um, the spread can't be big on that, right?
2: I think it's. Again, it's it's so early before panicking and making changes and stuff. The Titans, if they go zero two, they really need to take a look at, um, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, because it's, it's like, like again, game. I don't know. Yeah. They they might have to say, "Will Levis, you're in." If the Chargers go zero and two.
1: I I don't know what you end up doing. Uh, what the hell do you do? Do you trade Eckler? Do you uh, that that's an interesting storyline? I think the Chargers need it significantly more. The the Titans' expectations are in the dumpster right now. Like no one expects them to be good, even with D Hop and Derrick Henry. Like uh, there's still this sense of like, eh, whatever, they'll do what they do. Uh, but the Chargers are almost like. Like with Staley on the hot seat, um, with Herbert sort of now turning this corner into moving from this young quarterback to one of the one of the league's best. Like, what what's going to happen now? I think they need it significantly more. Yeah, because that can be a very messy rebuild over there, which sucks because their windows very very much closing.
2: A lot to think about, and I guess, you know, closing the door on the NFL, uh, tune into our college football show coming up. Um, I am a little hurt from our last college football because I missed out on a lot of money (laughs) because of our lovely Alabama. Um,
1: That was bullshit.
2: For those of you who don't know, I was near perfect in my college football picks on our football house. Check it out every Wednesday live stream on Twitter and YouTube. And the only pick that did not suffice, because I for some reason decided to parlay them all together to potentially win $1,700 on a $10 bet, was Alabama minus seven. And they got their teeth c- kicked in.
1: Yeah, they did. That was and... bad. Texas to the point where the Texas kids were going up to the Alabama student section and going, Go to come to Texas. <laughs> They're going to the recruits and going, come to Texas instead. The kids had already yeah. committed to Alabama. That was brutal. And I take back everything I said about Steve Sarkeesian. Everything. Crazy shit. Well, sorry for your loss. That's um, uh, it could be worse, it could be under five hundred like me.
2: Yeah, you gotta you gotta step it up.
1: That is my worst sport for for Pick'em, easily. Gotta I don't know step what it I, I, my NFL record is better. My college basketball record is like seventy-five percent. I just can't crack the code in college football. I've gotta start I don't know what I have to do. I change my approach every week and nothing really is long as long as I finish over five hundred, I'm okay. I'm okay with whatever happens.
2: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
1: We'll see we'll if i see. get there all right that is that's episode 142 uh we've got some really cool conversations uh next week actually uh two of them uh as uh yeah they're both gonna be beer they're both gonna be very fun and they're both gonna be fellow award winners spoiler if you've made it this far so long everybody take it easy
0: Thanks for listening. Remember to hit the follow button on Spotify and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter and Instagram and check out house-enterprise.com for all of our content. There's also no better way to end this podcast than a note from our partners over at Manscaped. What guy or girl wouldn't want the right tools for the job? Head over to manscaped.com house or use the code house at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your orders. See you next time
3: and remember the house always wins.